0: Hello and welcome to our very first episode of, quite simply, Agony Aunt and Uncle. Now, <laughs> this is Mark, Hello, husband. hello everyone. If you're watching on YouTube and if you're listening on podcast, if you fancy having a look at us, you can catch us on our YouTube channel, The Sawala Adelies.
1: I feel like I'm sitting on a farty chair. Why are you doing that? Well, it's because really it's, it's it is creaking. Okay. Okay,
0: sorry. So what is this about and why are we doing it? Well, first and foremost, I have always loved problem pages. Right. And all through my life, people have come to me with their problems and I have loved listening to people's problems and then putting my spin on them. Now, I think this is because really, really, and I've come to a point in my life where I can admit without any shame that the thing I'm most interested in in the whole wide world is... Human beings and what makes them do the things that they do, and so I've always had. I've always studied people quite intently. That's, that's probably why I wanted to be an actress, actually, as well. Or a nurse.
1: I thought you wanted to be a nurse. Well, I did well. want to be a nurse, yeah.
0: as well, and so and we have been through some sh- serious shit together. Well, I was going to
1: say you like to solve problems and hear problems. I just like to have problems. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so we've been through some real stuff before we got together, and then when we got together. And um, we've been married now for how long? 18 years. No, 20 no, years. 20 years, I think. Yeah, I've um, been sober
1: for 18 years. We have been, we have a blended family background. Yeah. Um, we've had trauma. <laughs> we've had many deaths. We've both experienced suicide. I mean, you know, there are so many We're both things. Both dealing with
0: mental health.
1: Mental health both, questions. Um, yeah, I'm diagnosed bipolar. We're both ADHD.
0: So... And we are in no way, and this is really important, experts. We are not psychologists, psychiatrists, counsellors. We're not any of those things. And what we want people to think of, us, how do we want them to think? We want you to think of us like an aunt and uncle. Which like, is why we're both we... wearing
1: jumpers. Yeah,
0: we said, do we look like auntie and uncle? <laughs> so so that where we, we wanted to create a vibe where... You're going around your auntie and uncles mm. and you're asking for just a bit of a life input. Now, we are not going to advise directly on this um, podcast. What we're going to do is try and share our experiences. Well, sometimes it's really hard to know what you want. Mm. You know, we would say that you, you can't ask for what you want if you don't know what it is. So sometimes we might help you think about what it is you might actually want
1: but also there undeniably there are going to be certain things that come up that say for example around female issues, specifically female issues or specifically male issues that either one of us won't have direct experience of but sometimes an outside perspective on it might offer I don't know, you know, a sort of unique perspective or suggest something to you, or there may be something that either one of us sees in it that resonates with something in our lives and therefore becomes kind of useful. But I think it's really important to say, I mean, this idea that we're not experts, we really are not experts. Everyone is an expert in living their own life. Mm -hmm. Um, And insofar as I've been through a very, you know, well, detailed on the channel uh, journey through sobriety, going to 12-step programmes... Uh, Group therapy, rehab and all that. One of the things I would say, and it's a trite thing that we say to all of our kids, you know, a problem shared is a problem halved. But sometimes the very act of hearing what you've said, read out, you know, talked about, shared about and perhaps, you know, connections made and what have you can sometimes be Mm. as much as is needed.
0: We do say this to our girls all the time, you know, when you keep a problem to yourself, it just grows, it can grow bigger and bigger and bigger, mm. or then it just keeps echoing around. So I think Mark's absolutely right in that. Okay. Right. So first off, and we do always ask you to state whether you want to be anonymous or have your name re- read out, and this is anonymous, but it is from a long-term sub. Mm. Uh, that means us, we call our subscribers over on YouTube um, our sub. So... Here we go. My ex-boyfriend broke up with me almost a year and a half ago and I did okay at going cold turkey for a while but we've slept together a few times since. We didn't have a healthy relationship when we were together and we clearly had very different values when it came to what we wanted from a partner but typical me I still fell madly in love with him and got hurt in the end. He was very distant and I always felt inferior to him and more like an annoyance than a girlfriend, despite me never complaining or saying how unhappy I was and giving him so much space he may as well have been on the moon. Ultimately, he couldn't love me and in fact he himself wasn't sure he could love anyone. There is so much in this letter already. A few months ago, I got myself to a place of acceptance that we were not good together. Saw it mostly as a positive that we aren't a couple and he wasn't on my mind all the time, but something changed. Last time we met up, a couple of months ago when we slept together, the dynamics were so different. For the first time ever, it felt like we were equals. I didn't feel intimidated by him. He seemed to respect and be proud of me and my recent achievements. I felt totally comfortable in myself and we talked frankly on quite a deep level, which was something we've never really been able to do. It was just so easy and comfortable, but also flirty and fun. Even the sex felt different. It felt romantic and intimate rather than just a shag. We've been texting fairly regularly since and there's definitely been a flirty vibe again, even some deep chats. He's asked me to meet for a drink next month, which of course I agreed to. This version of him is the version I've always wanted him to be, and I'm in a much better place myself. I've been having therapy and I value myself a lot more and feel stronger and more able to stand up for what I want. My question is, do you think it is ever a good idea to consider getting back into a relationship with someone It was so painful to be with before. On the one hand, I'm scared of being hurt again and I don't want to slip back into that dark place I was in before. But on the other hand, I still have feelings for him and he's showing me that it can be all the things that I want and need from a relationship. Although I do wonder if he's only capable of being this version of him when there is no commitment involved. I don't want to make a decision that's going to take me 10 steps back but I also don't want to miss out on potentially being happy with him. Ugh, help. Wow. This is a mammoth one to begin with, because there's there's a lot to break down here, isn't there?
1: Well, the first thing you hear when she describes the relationship as it was Mm. before this period, I mean, it's, it's screaming out that he's a commitment foe. Yeah. Um, and that presents all sorts of problems Because as soon as you're with a commitment foe You have one of two choices You either, you know, you either run to the hills and, and say, okay, well I want something more meaningful Or you start to kind of, you know Collapse yourself into all sorts of shapes And position yourself in a way that might work for them And then you start to lose who you are Then you start to, you know, and in a sense you become inauthentic And then that becomes something that pushes that person away even further. Because it really sounds like it's that distance that's made him attracted again. So he's kind of got that thing...
0: Are you, are you thinking about how that would be for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I'm trying to think of, all oh, the fact that she's kind of moved on or potentially moved on and is potentially not dependent or mm. codependent or... Needing. ...needing me. Suddenly, in a weird way, the chase... And the newness of it and the honeymoon period of it can potentially be resurrected. And it sounds like it has been.
0: Right. So I think it was good to start there with how the relationship was, Mm. because obviously that was painful. It sounds like you went through a lot of pain in Mm. that and that you had to really just, as Mark says, morph into shapes that fitted for him. I don't think it, I'm going to be really brutally honest here, Auntie Nads, I don't think it necessarily is. He's a commitment phobe at that point with everybody. It may have been, and I'm going to be tough here, that he didn't particularly want you. And sometimes it's really difficult for women to say that to other women. We shy away from it. It's like because we don't want to hurt our friend and we say, what if he just wasn't really into you? It might not be that it was a commitment phobe. What if he wasn't really into you?
1: But he is And now. I'm
0: picking up that that's very much what you felt. You felt this rejection. You felt this pain. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. felt this, like, it's almost humiliating, isn't it, when somebody doesn't really want you. So I can understand why that's created a wound. Was it that he didn't really want me? Is it that he doesn't really want anybody? Is he somebody that's always going to be flitting from one person to another if I ever actually need him will he step away from me and there's no surprise that you're worrying about that because that was your first feelings with this person and who can truly know what was going on in his mind at the beginning stage
1: I mean is there some is there some argument I mean the problem with because you've got two experiences of the relationship you've got the former one where you were in a more sort of committed relationship and it wasn't functioning correctly and it was you know you you weren't happy and and he seemed not happy and you felt not seen and there was distance and all that kind of stuff and then curiously you've got so much closer in this second period you know second stage of the relationship or second chapter if you like you're now at this kind of curiously difficult crossroads where you don't know by taking the next next step forward either keeping it quite casual it sounds like now but more meaningful weirdly or more committed and it causing it to kind of in a way kind of calcify it's like you've got a choice here and I wonder whether there has to be some aspect of kind of making both of yourselves and him conscious of this moment in some way yeah not to kind of you know, navel gaze and get heavy and say we've got to get therapy because, you know, most young men are going to run for the hills and a lot of young women will too. It's not that heavy a thing. But I do think you can, and I'm thinking back to when I was much younger. I mean, I'm assuming this, this person is quite young. Uh, you know, if someone was to have said, it's that sort of thing of saying, look, this is really weird. Where are we at? We seem to be in a much easier position with each other without committing to each other and yet it's making me wonder whether we should commit. How do you feel about that?
0: Mm. Yes. So, I think so there's what an I mean important by that line is making conscious. Here, because this is something else we have to consider. Now there are some people, and actually I am talking to somebody at the moment that I'm helping through. Um, they've got this person that's interested in them. And every time she totally puts the line down... He, he then comes back to her so he'll air her he won't listen to her mm. and then she'll be like done with it and then he comes back so the line here where you say a few months ago i got to myself to a place of acceptance mm. sometimes that's at the point either somebody can realize the part the other person can realize oh my god she's really moved on and mm. actually this is let me feel how i'm feeling oh show me how i'm feeling actually i really like her and i'm going to pursue this i made a mistake or it can be and this very much can be with commitment phobics where they want to kind of always just keep you a bit mm. in place so so they feel like you're you've had enough and then they pull you back Control. so these are all complicated you know um, theories but at the end of the day it's like Mark and I were talking this morning about um, about therapy at the end of the day, everything comes down to communication. And I think we have, as human beings, an incredibly powerful instinct. And I'm sorry to say this, and I know it sounds sexist, but I don't care. And I think a woman's instinct is even more attuned, right? And I think that's because we spend so much time, so much more time talking about people, working things out, mm. so that we have more of an instinct. And... You've got to work out, are you feeling red flags from past wounds and you've both changed so much? Mm. Or is your instinct telling you something? Mm. And if it is that you both have evolved, you've matured, like you said, you've had therapy. I do think it's totally possible, it, when we go back to your question... That people can meet at the wrong time. They can be the right person meet at the wrong time. Then they go away, have a few life lessons, come back, and they can be the right person. I do believe that's possible. People will say, oh, you can never go back. I don't think so. I don't think there's any, any nevers about anything because people are so different. But what I do think, I really do think, is that if you are on the side of we've matured, we've gone away, and we've found enough out about each other to, to pursue this, then you must be able to have that conversation with each other. And if you can't have that conversation with each other, I think you're kind of where you were right at the beginning. Because you're having to keep quiet what mm, you want so as not to lose him.
1: But that's precisely what I'm saying. And I think, you know, I totally agree with what you're saying. And and this is a mass gross generalisation. But having been a man and knowing lots of other men, you know, when I was younger (laughs) and hearing about younger men through all my daughters... Um, women do instinctively know what is going on in whatever state the relationship is in. You know, for instance, and this is something that I think might be important for this person. You talk about, you know, when you were more committed. Well, what defines committed? You could be in a situation here where this is his kind of committed relationship. And so, you know, it's quite nuanced. What I'm trying to say is, is that one person's commitment in a relationship is another person's commitment. I've never ceased to be surprised by how many relationships I've either observed or seen in friends or family members where there's an enormous amount of sort of formality and politeness. I mean, I'm just not like that. It's all about all emotion. It's about wearing your, your heart on your sleeve and all that kind of stuff. It's about saying stuff. It's about rows. It's about raw stuff. But
0: Intimacy.
1: Of, yeah, well, that, Intimacy yeah, but that's isn't my just about sex. No, no, no. Intimacy no. But the, but, but mucky, no, but more, di- But more nuanced than For that is a, a lot of relationships are incredibly formal. And so you can have... I mean, this is the bit that's quite perplexing, isn't it? We can have such intimate physicality, sex, with each other and we cannot talk about anything, anything kind of deeper than, well, anything. And so let so me just finish this thought. So my thinking on this is he might be at a place of wondrous commitment to you. And this is his idea of commitment. And what he saw your Mm. idea of commitment as was not controlling in a horrible sense, but maybe claustrophobic, claustrophobic, maybe too much and what have you. And I tell you something that's quite useful to do without making it obvious is you can do de- detective work of sorts by just asking a few questions about what's the nature of his upbringing, what's the nature of the relationships he came from, you know, where, and you can start to see big red flags. It doesn't take a genius to look at my childhood to see that I, I was, you know, I had abandonment issues and all that kind of stuff, and the reason I'd move through relationships all the time, and this could be something for him. Uh, the reason I'd move through relationships all the time was I don't want to be rejected, and so perhaps this kind of oscillating distance, closeness, distance, closeness in a weird way, is what he's more used to, you know? Yeah. Could it go away? Could it stay? But I think you're right. I think you have... Unless you can talk about it, you're pretty much a... But
0: back, you've got no... Yeah, you've, you've made no progress. Start where you yeah, started, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's where you're going to see if you have matured mm. as a couple, mm. whether you're going to be able to survive on the outside yeah. of this sort of... the These sort of meetings that you have where you're having this sort of illicit moments of Mm. sexual intimacy and all of this, which can fuel excitement dotted about here and there. But are you going to be able to communicate what you want and what your needs are and what your feelings are? So first of all, you've got to articulate that to yourself. What do do I want? Mm. Because you know what I ask a lot of my friends when they've been, you know, going out with someone they say, oh, he's such a commitment phone. And I say, well, are you then? Mm. And they'll say... What do you mean? I'm not a commitment phobe. I said, well, the last three people you've been out with have been commitment phobes, so you must be looking for a commitment phobe. (gasps) And people are so shocked by that, because what I want when I'm looking for somebody, not looking, but you know what I mean, is, is I want somebody that really likes me and wants to be with me, and wants to cherish me, and thinks I'm the bee's knees. I've never had any interest in somebody that doesn't really want me, Mm. because I'm not a commitment phobe. I like to be in a committed relationship. So it is another question, and do you know what? Sometimes that can be really empowering when you think, God, actually, maybe it's me that doesn't want to be committed yet. And then you can ask yourself those questions. Have I got a problem with commitment? Why do I choose people that don't really show mm, me that they mm, want me? Mm, it's just
1: another answer. Well, and also kind of like as a sort of sidebar to that, it's a kind of continuation, I think, of that thought, is perhaps if you're saying that it's working that there, you know, there's a lot to like about the way it is at the moment, maybe it suits you. Yes,
0: that's what I mean.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, so, maybe maybe yeah. this is the way it needs to work for you too, but you've got in your head maybe The pressure, societally, culturally, familiarly, from your family, whatever, that commitment is this sort of thing. And actually, could this be the relationship that you and this person need to have?
0: I always say, interrogate what you want and then ask for it. Ask for it. You know, and if that is too scary a prospect to be able to ask, to be able to ask for your needs to be met, then it's not the best way Mm. to start a long-term relationship.
1: And last time I interrogated what I wanted, I wanted a chimichanga. (laughs) Okay, this next one is also um, anonymous. Um, I'd be really grateful if I could get some advice or just to simply open up a conversation about this. Me and my boyfriend of two years had a very difficult conversation last night. We have very briefly talked about having kids in the past, but never in much depth, and last night I found out that he isn't sure if he wants kids. I feel heartbroken because it's something I definitely want. He's not saying no, but he's also not saying yes. I love this man with all my heart and can't imagine my life without him, but I'm 30 and don't have all the time in the world to wait around for a definite answer. He has a lot of anxiety around having kids due to his father leaving when he was a child, I've suggested he starts therapy, which he's thankfully agreed to, but I'm still so confused and was wondering if you guys had any advice or wise
0: words. Well, wow, I think, well, first of all, I want to say this actually is a fantastic letter because actually you are communicating with each other. Mm. There's understanding there. There's already empathy and He has agreed to go to a therapist. Now, when I think, when we think about our own lives, the amount of people who were desperate for their partner to get some sort of help to work out their feelings. Mm. And their partner's like, I can sort out myself. So that's amazing. Mm. Who can know what's truly in his head about whether mm he wants a baby or not? Well, yeah,
1: but we might not know exactly what's in his head, but... You've even also, I, I don't know whether this is between the two of you or whether, as in reference to what we were talking about before, through your own detective work or just conversation, if you like, you've both worked out that this is pos- possibly pivots around his father leaving. So you've got you've already got some aspect exactly. of understanding.
0: There's, there's empathy there. Mm. It's not just about, you can't say this or I'm on a baby or my biological plot ticking. That would get you nowhere. Mm. Nobody here can know what's really going on in his mind. He might be... You know, frightened he might really never want kids he might desperately want kids but he's too scared to say it but what i think mark i'm sure mark will agree with me what the really important thing here is this is the moment to be patient for a bit longer mm. when either of us have gone to therapy and we only learned this from the mistake of, that we made initially is like when we go to therapy the other one would come up and go, so what did they say mm. what did you say what did you think and now i have to put my- When my kids go to counselling, I literally bite my knuckles not to ask them what happened, what was said, because you put enormous pressure on people. Mm -hmm. This would be my advice. This is what we say to our girls. We are not going to ask you anything when you come out of your counselling session. But trust me we want to know everything, but we don't want you to have the pressure to immediately have to come out mm. and come up with an idea and with whatever. So that would be my advice. Well, that and yeah, at advice. the same time,
1: when I read this, I thought, crikey, this is, you know, I can see where you're coming from in terms of worry, fear. I remember being, uh, before I met you, Nadia, being in a relationship where my girlfriend knew, interestingly, which <laughs> I take this personally she knew she wanted children but she didn't know she wanted them with me I think Um, but I had two kids at that time and it's weird because men and the thought of having children I think really does pivot around their relationship or non-relationship with their father because in an identical fashion I didn't know mine and what that drove me towards was knowing what I would be when I became a Parent, but interestingly, I don't know if your boyfriend's the same age as you 30. I never envisaged having children until beyond 30. I mean, that went spectacularly Mm. in the other direction. Mm. But therein lies a point in a weird way. People have
0: numbers in their head, yeah, they do have
1: numbers, and they are quite well, they're not always arbitrary, obviously, not for women. I think this might be one of those things where men will move towards this kind of thing if they don't think they're being chased for it. And I'm not suggesting that you're chasing for it, but I think it's a little bit of what you're saying, Nadia, where you kind of, you need to play it cool, I think, with a man. We'll
0: give him space. I think, But if he's willing to go to a therapist yeah.
1: as well, but you know that that's going to be very constructive space. Yeah. Insofar as he's, he's not going to be sitting there going, well, I've told her this, and yeah. she won't listen to this, and yeah. th-. he's going to be going there because he knows that you, he's doing it for you as much as he's doing it for him, yeah. and he wants to provide answers. But I, I suppose what I'm trying to say is, it's all right to be scared by this yeah. because you know, no man can imagine what it's like to have a body claw, you know, yeah. ticking away. Yeah,
0: and and I think I think you're doing everything right. Oh. That's what I would say. Now. It does, we do have a biological clock ticking and I think there will come a point where you will need him to commit or not and then there will be a point whether you make that decision as to whether being with him is everything and you'll give up your hope and prayers for a child or the other way around. but there will come a point when you need to make that decision but what we're both hoping now is that like you say, he's got issues because mm. of his, his childhood and that you'll be able to work that out and have beautiful babies together.
1: Important line that you're right. He's not saying no, but he's also not saying yes. So, yeah. you know, it's not a it's not a given. And I just know that... And that
0: could mean that he could be a very good father yeah. because he's not jumping into it lightly. He True. knows it's a big thing to do and he wants to make sure that he's in the right place. Mm. When he... But another thing I would say, it's never the perfect time. <laughs> Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Like I remember thinking, oh, well, when I've got, mm, or when I'm at this stage, or when I'm at that stage, at some point you have to go, it's now or never.
1: Yeah. But thank you for that one. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Men, men literally don't have that pressure. I mean, it's something we don't, I don't think about. And yet, weirdly, just as a, a final thought on this, I remember when we were together and there was a sense that we knew we wanted children, I very much felt your biological clock ticking. It was something that I thought, oh, crikey. Yeah, this could become quite urgent quite quickly because <laughs> you were that much older than me. Mm.
0: Um, Did you ever have anybody ask you if you wanted children with them and you absolutely didn't? You were in a relationship that you liked, but you just thought, oh, no. Did it make you see the light and mm-hmm. think, oh, you've just made me realise I don't want to be with you?
1: No. No simple answer no 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 because no, like, you no. do hear that a lot oh yeah. yeah you
0: know but also I think that that can be what well, the idea I the idea get that get someone wanted a child with yeah. me and that
1: made me go no I'm out yeah. of it no yeah. I never had that I did have situations where there was the potential for a pregnancy to have carried on you know someone had had an abortion um and those thoughts kicked up and I think the first time that happened I got I was very scared by the prospect Mm. Of potentially thinking, oh my God, it can happen that... I mean, what a moron. It can happen that easily and that quickly. early days. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And then two years later, I had a baby.
0: (laughs) So this is from Becca, and she says, I've had a friend for 10 years, and the last three of them, I found myself in a situationship. I've only just discovered that this is a word. What is that? You'll find out. With him constantly going back and forth between me and his ex. To keep it short, he kept me a secret. He only let me stay over at his at Christmas um uh, it seems like we start moving in a forward direction then he takes 10 steps back after that he went quiet on me hardly talking whereas before he'd been messaging me all day every day he's done this for the past 10 years wow every time we've seen each other i feel used and abused he always said he wanted more for me to be in his future but he never gets any further I had enough and two weeks ago sent him a long message telling him that what I thought and felt for my own sanity. I had to go, but if he was bothered, then he would find a way of fixing things rather than letting go. I am really struggling going, going with no contact, as we used to talk all the time every day, and he's had times where he's gone a few weeks after these sorts of things, but I've always given up and contacted him. This time I refuse to, but it's killing me. Can someone, after that long, really turn their feelings off and fake ten years? Three of that ending romantically involved. I'm struggling, as my friends don't get it, and they don't want to hear about it. I'm lost, confused, and I don't recognise the person I am.
1: Can I just ask for just a bit of clarification, maybe? Uh, when when it says, this time I refuse to, but it's killing me, can someone, after that long, really turn their feelings off and fake ten years? She's talking about him? Hmm? Yeah. Um, wow. I mean
0: maybe both. Right. This this
1: this is uh, this is this is a big one because this is about someone who you Becca, who's who's caught within a sort of game of cat and mouse. I mean it's like but push me, pull you, push me, pull you. And I think the only thing I can offer on this from a male perspective, and I've been there, is it it can also not be born bizarrely of wanting to be mean or vicious, but this person is unable and perhaps is unable because they're vulnerable in their own way. They don't want to be rejected. There is an aspect of wanting their cake and eating it, wanting you on tap and dropping you and picking you up and dropping you. There's obviously something that keeps pulling you back. And I think the big question is, what is that thing? You know, with some people, it can be Unfortunately, just sex. I mean, I'm like, what, I mean, a situationship, what does that mean? Is that is that like an open relationship? Well, just
0: if a situation is there, then they get together. Right.
1: So, so you know, I think the questions to be asked are, is it principally revolving around sex and physicality when he comes back and when you, you know, you, you rejoin him, if you like? Is there stuff that's beyond that that's really emotional and meaningful and there's a sense of security, in which case we're dealing with another sort of commitment-phobic type situation? Or... The worst case scenario is he's kind of emotionally unimaginative and can't even see that this would be a problem for someone and so is unaware of of the trauma that he's causing. And, you know, if this is the first time you've actually said, I've had enough, he'll have got used to this (laughs) behaviour.
0: My heart is literally aching. Mm. I've got like a churning gut for you. This is horrendous. What you've been through for 10 years. It's a long time. 10 years of pushing and pulling you. 10 years of being given hope and then rejection. Hope, then rejection. This is just awful for you. And this has worked for him. Mm. And when you say that your friends don't want to hear it, this is because it's maybe this is because it's become very painful for them to see you repeating the same action with the same outcome which is you Mm -hmm. have the hope you go back and then you're let down again this is 10 years this is unbearable and i think what is he giving you that you need maybe what he's giving you is that sense that you're not worthy. Maybe you don't think you're worthy and maybe him constantly treating you like that endorses that belief, validates that belief that you're not worthy of somebody really caring for you and really treating you in a meaningful way. And maybe, I don't know, maybe your friends, if I was your friend, I wouldn't stop listening to you, I have to say if I was your friend, but maybe they're just frustrated that you're in this cycle and this cycle isn't making you happy. Cold turkey is really really tough but what I'm worried about with your cold turkey is that you're trying to push him to pick up the phone and ring you again and maybe that's where you're going wrong maybe maybe this is about cold turkey one day at a time for the rest of your life it's like, today, I'm not going to call him. Today, I'm not going to call him. Today. And then hopefully, rather like when somebody has to give up alcohol, if they, if you say to an alcoholic, you're never having alcohol ever again in your life, they're not going to be able to cope with that. Mark will tell you that. He's been 18 years sober. So the way that AA works is you just say, today, I'm not going to. And I think one day at a time for the rest of your life is potentially a better way to try and do it. Because if you're always... If there's a bit of you hoping, well, this is gonna be the time that he picks up the phone and says, it's been you all along. And, oh my God, can we skip off together? Is that likely? Ask yourself, has he ever shown you anything that would make you believe that's what's gonna happen? Over 10 years, is that likely? Well, I
1: think, and also I started by talking about what the potential mindset of him would be, or could be, or maybe is. And, you know, in a weird way, it goes back to, I think we said it about something else earlier, where um, a big question, it's not a bigger question, but a big question to ask yourself, because you're essentially in the the prime position to perhaps know the answers to this about yourself more than you are about him, why have you been going back for such a long period of time? And what I mean by that is, you know, what part of you, perhaps, perhaps, you love the feeling of excitement, and that's an endorphin here, and that makes you feel good, and that the trade-off between feeling ghastly and neglected and abandoned and and everything else the trade-off is is that when you get those highs they're worth it and that's really tricky because it is then really analogous with an addiction it's like you'll binge on the relationship you'll withdraw you'll, and then the binge is like oh this is going to give me the excitement and the fun and the oh it's all come back and maybe you too whilst you feel he's re- repeating bad behavior you know hate using bad or good, but you're repeating the same behaviour as a, almost a form of self-harm. You're going back in, you know it's going to happen again, but you're willing to do it because you know you'll get the high again each yeah, time. Yeah,
0: that, that is a really possible... What Mark says there is it could be. Obviously, we, we don't, don't know. know. No, no. But just these are... What we're doing is posing questions mm. that you might ask yourself because I remember a friend of mine when she was going through therapy and she was... She was it was a similar kind of thing. She was in a push-me-pull-me relationship and... Um, with a therapist, she, 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 you know, investigated her relationship with her father. And her father, had, there'd been lots of abandonment back and forth. Mm. And then, you know, he would say that he was going to say that he wouldn't turn up and all this sort of mm. thing. And, you know, it's incredible how these patterns of emotional patterns can imprint on us. And so Mark, Mark's really right in that, that when you say to people... Sometimes when they're in a kind of situation like this, she said, "But what? You know, this obviously feels good to you. Well, no, no, it doesn't. It's total hell. I'm mm. in mean, hell. I can't bear it. My life is absolutely miserable. But there's something in there mm.
1: Something's that you bad. Go,
0: and it is. It can be literally like a hit, like a really bad drug." only gives you a hit for a little bit but then you're always chasing that high <gasps> okay so he's oh guys called that that flutter actually a young person that i've been talking to recently that's having such a situation with this person that keeps ringing them and then not ringing them and i i said to her i want you to tell me what happens when that phone goes what physically happens to you where do you feel it? And she was having like, to I feel it here. Then I feel it here. Then this is a friend of mine's daughter. And then I feel it here. So that's excitement. Mm. That's nervous excitement. And that sets off all kinds of feel good chemicals in the body. But how quickly does it go down? Mm. That's what, How quickly am I back plummeting down? And it's, again, I'm quoting AA here, even though Mark's the sober one. You know, they talk about first thought, second thought. First thought, wow, I'm going to have this gin and tonic and I'm going to have a great time. AA teaches you to say, what's your second thought? Mm. My second thought is I'm probably going to end up having 100 Mm. and then I'm probably going to lose my job and lose my... So first thought, (gasps) he's calling me. (gasps) What's the second thought you could have? He's calling me. Where has it ended up every other time he calls me? We end up having sex or we end up doing this or whatever it is, I don't know. And then where does it end up? Well, it ends up usually in a day or a year or a couple of days with me feeling absolutely rock bottom again and feeling self-loathing and abandonment. So it's... So it's, you've got to weigh all of that up. Am I getting something that I want from this? And if your answer is fundamentally yes, mm. well, then fill your boots, carry on. But if not, then one day at a time, don't pick up that phone. Just, just one day at a time.
1: One thing I would like to say also about the whole thing around struggling with your friends, they don't want to hear about it thing. I don't know if this helps, but I can think of someone very close to me um, who, you know keeps going back into a, a sort of a state with regards to someone else that they like. And I get frustrated because I can see how this person's stepping towards someone and then being hurt and then stepping towards them again, and they can't help themselves. I can, you know, my frustration is born of loving this person. So I suppose what I'm trying to say is, is right, you're feeling this from your friends. It's not going to be coming from a place solely of don't want to hear about it. It could be coming from a place of their their absolute passion for knowing what they think is perhaps best for you, loving you, n- not liking seeing you in such pain. So one thing I'm, I maybe would suggest that might help there is, like, like Nadia said, if you can find it to take it a day at a time where you're not thinking about him, you're not waiting for the phone call, and that's easier said than done. It's like the first day that you put down a drink. But the terrible simplicity of the first day you put down a drink is, the only thing that's going to get you through it is if you put down a drink. And so it gets no more complex than that. So, But one of the things you could do with your friends is test and try and make yourself be with them without him being in it at all. And what you will then get from your friends is an acknowledgement of your attempts to kind of push on.
0: Yeah. I mean, you could even try saying to them, you know, I've I've thought about why you might have pulled yeah. away from me. Yeah. Maybe it's because you've been frustrated seeing me. And you know what? I'm cold turkey. Can I call you mm. when I want to call him? Mm. Can I do that? Could we... Could we, uh, maybe over FaceTime, watch a film together? Could we distract, distract, distract? Mm. Go off, take, take a walk, listen to music, dance like a wild person in your kitchen. When you have that first thought that I'm going to call him, what can you do to stop that? Because it will be, if you can just catch yourself in those first few seconds and do something else, you'll probably have a good chance of getting through that moment mm. and not doing it. Yeah. Oh, but can we... Agni aunt and uncle, give you a big hug. Yeah, absolutely. it's a lot.
1: That's hard. That's tough. That
0: is so tough. Wow. Wow. I can't believe it. That's our first one. And those were like, we've got so many questions from you here, guys. And and we're going to keep
1: moving through them. And obviously where you can send them to, you can send through any other dilemmas or questions or issues that you think. And I hope it's come across that there's no advice in there at all other than, oh, this perspective on it, as a man, my experiences as a man, Nadia's experiences as a mum, as a woman, as two people have been through relationships, and as I, I really try also because this is a terrible generalisation, it strikes me we have a, a large female viewership and listenership. The sense and the truth of the matter is that often huge problems develop because a because of a rather, and I say this as having been one, because of a sort of it's not necessarily willing. Uh, inability to understand the finer details of emotion but men can be very dense and they can (laughs) he said
0: it yeah yeah. I never said it no no no
1: but we can be and I've been in that dense place but sometimes rather than me just going I want to forget how dense I was and how emotionally stupid I was and how inconsiderate I was and how unsophisticated I was being a father to four daughters what I do try and do is actually take myself back there to understand and remind myself of why they're doing this And then interrogate whether this is something that they will get past, they could get past, they can get past, or that you can, as a woman, negotiate it in a way that's not going to hurt you as much. Do you know what I mean? I think it's that age-old thing of saying a feminist group shouldn't talk to men. I totally disagree. You've got to include men in the conversation. And that's what I'll try and throw into some of these kind of discussions. Yeah. Is that I was an arsehole too once, and I didn't mean to be. Yeah. You know? Not every arsehole is just an arsehole. No. Some are, but not (laughs) all
0: of them. Um... More next week. Subscribe,
1: subscribe. If you're listening to this on podcasts, hit the like button if you like it. If you don't, don't. Um, And yeah, we'll be back, what, in two weeks? Is it every two weeks? Every two weeks. Every two weeks. two weeks. Yeah, every two weeks. We'll do some more of your problems and issues.
0: Bye.